Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. through two. Are you ready? Everybody knows the scripture. You've heard it many, many times before, but I want to give it to you again because I feel like God has given me some insight into this. Because I think when we're going through challenging times, I think when we're going through times of difficulty that we forget to reach out to God. Amen? Amen? Amen. We, we talk about it. We get on Facebook about it. We get on social media about it, but we actually forget to get down on our knees and say, God, I need you. Amen. Amen. We forget to come to church and say, God, I need you. Because there's a humility with that, that we have to humble ourselves and tell God that we actually need him. Amen. We think that God is just going to see our need and come down and do something. But there's a caveat to that. We have to engage with God. We have to encounter with God. It's a two-way street. It's a reciprocal reaction with him. In other words, whatever we put into it, he's going to put into it. And the reason why he does that is he's already given everything in his son, Jesus. He's already given everything. He's already given everything. He bankrupted heaven for our souls. So there's a requirement for us to give something. Amen. When I talk about engaging with the Lord this morning, you're only going to get out of service what you actually put into it. If you leave here feeling sad and sorrowful and beat up, it's because you did not allow yourself to be engaged. You did not allow yourself to receive from the Lord. You did not allow yourself to be touched from God. We have to put down our walls. We have to put down our defense. We have to put down those things that keep us from God and willingly accept what God has given this morning. Anybody awake? I just preached a whole message there. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to put it to you like this. You can help me by saying amen, or if you don't, I'm going to go a lot longer because I think you're not getting it. Amen? I can go for two hours. We're good. I'll tell the Spanish church they can't meet today because I'm preaching a message because I want you to get what I'm about to tell you. But we're Pentecostals, and what Pentecostals believe in is that you are just as much a minister as I am, and so you engage in what I'm saying. Amen? Now, do you not believe that God's going to move in your life? Do you not believe that God has something for you? Do you not believe that God is God and he's in control? Do you not believe that we have to engage? Do you not believe that when we say amen, that means so be it? That means so be it? Do we not believe when we say hallelujah that that means praise God? Do we not believe that when we clap our hands, we are obedient to Scripture? Because the Bible says, clap your hands, all your people. Give a shout to the God of triumph. Do we not believe when we lift our voice that we are not believing as Scripture believes? Pastor, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) You're right. You're right, I can't tell you what to do. But I'm telling you, if you do, this will happen to you. Is anybody tired of leaving church the same way they came in? Okay, I'll try over here. Is anybody tired of leaving church the same way you came in? Come on. Okay, that was better. 
That was better. Listen, we're Pentecostal, okay? I'm not, we're not, I'm not up here preaching a message and you all give me the Presbyterian nod. You know what that is? You're halfway asleep when you do it. No, no, we engage. Amen. We engage. We engage with the Lord. Amen. We engage. We say, yes. Amen. Preach it. Hallelujah. Preach it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm helping you guys out here a little bit. Because when you engage, there's something that happens in your heart and you feel a little, what we call stirrings. Okay. Well, pastor, being a Christian is not emotional. Yes, it is. It is emotional, amen? It's not all emotional, but it is emotional. Because if you look in the Bible, the Bible said David danced before the Lord with all his might. David danced before the Lord. Didn't say the Holy Spirit came upon him and took control and he was, you know, just moving like a puppet. No, the Bible said that David danced before the Lord with all his might. In other words, that was all him, but he was so happy about what God was doing. He danced before the Lord with all his might. How many times have we left church give out because we gave everything? Amen. If we can go, and I've used this example several times, but if we can go to a basketball game during gold medal and yell till our voices are numb and not available anymore and we're hoarse, we can surely come to church and worship God until we're hoarse. Amen? We can worship God. Because I'm going to tell you something. Nobody's going to remember who won gold medal last year or the year before. I know we didn't have it last year, but nobody's going to remember who won it five years ago. God, but God's going to remember for eternity our worship to him. Amen. Our worship carries weight. Amen. Our worship carries power. If you want what's broken in your life to be fixed, then it requires for you to worship. It requires for you to give everything this morning. It is not because of my message that does it. Amen. It's our worship that engages and releases the spirit of God in our lives. We have to worship brothers and sisters. We have to give God glory. Let's look at this verse together. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high. Praise God. Praise God. Man, I feel a holy sweet spirit in this place now. I'm going to tell you, devil, we're going to break you today. <laughs> Man. I just felt something trip in the spirit world. We're going to break you, devil, today. We're going to break your little minions today. We're going to have breakthrough, amen? Enemy, you're going to release your people today. You're going to release your people today. You're going to release God's people today, is what I meant to say. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, verse 2, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. 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 You ever had something personal to you? You ever had something that was yours and you knew it was yours and nobody could touch it? You ever had something that meant something so much to you? That's how my God is to me, amen? My God is my God. Now, he can be your God, too, if you let him, amen? I'm going to tell you right now, he wants a relationship with you just like he has with me. Do not think that I am in this position because I just sat back and let God do all the work. No, I had to put myself forward and put myself in a position that, that people could attack me because I knew that I wanted God to be my God. I want God to be my God. Praise God. 
my God, in him I will trust. This psalm is a, a psalm of assurance, of courage. Courage, let me say that correctly, courage. Sound of my old southern roots came back there, courage. Courage. Say that to your neighbor, courage. You got to have courage. That's how you know you're southerner, when you can say courage. That and you're Texan if you say yeller. My whole life I grew up thinking yeller was yellow, I didn't know. Psalm of assurance, courage, and a faith that does not falter. You ever had your faith falter a little bit? You ever got a little discouraged sometimes? You ever feel like that you're not going to make it? I'm going to tell you today, this psalm is a psalm of assurance and courage that when the bad things are happening in your life, that God is still in control. Amen? There's three things here about God in this psalm that I want to talk about. First of all, He has control over everything. I'm going to say that again. He has control over everything in your life. Everything. Everything. When we're going through trial, it feels like God's a million miles from us, Tony. It feels like he's not even around. God never left. God is there. God is not only there, but he's walking with you through it, holding your hand. Praise God. You're not alone. So you may feel like you're alone, but you're not alone. He's right there with you. He is carrying you in that moment. He is with you. Amen. Praise God. God is with us. He's over all the forces of nature and all the forces of society. God knew what was going to happen overseas today. God knew what's going to happen tomorrow. God knows what's going to happen here in Alaska tomorrow. Amen. God is never surprised. I want you to know that. God is never shocked. God never looks at the situation and go, well, I didn't expect that. Wow, Jesus, did you see that? That's incredible. I didn't know that was going to happen. God never does that. God, God looks at it and says, well, I saw that coming. Amen. He knows it's coming. He knows what's about to happen. Second, his righteous unfailing judgment on those who do evil. It may not seem like these people who do wrong in your life or do wrong in the world are ever going to face judgment, but I promise you they will. As a matter of fact, the evil in this world is already judged. Thirdly, he has complete care of those who put their trust in him. I want you to hear that when I say that, okay? Because some of you are hurting this morning. And if there's anything I want to do, I want to encourage you. I want to lift you up. He has complete care over you. He protects you. He protects you. He has complete care over you. Brothers and sisters, whatever you're going through, and the reason why he does that is because he is a father. Now, I struggle a little bit with saying that he's a father, even though he is, because for some of you, when I use that term father, it brings up a negative experience. Because maybe your dad wasn't the man he was supposed to do, or maybe he did things to you that wasn't right, or maybe he ignored you or mistreated you. See, that's a bad example of what a father is, but a loving father cares for you, 
a loving father puts his arms around you and cares for you and, and, and does all the things that a father should, like protect and provide and do all those things that makes you feel good to lift you up. My daughter just went through something here recently. And you know, you've all heard the term mama bear when, when mom gets mad and she becomes protective, but no one ever really talks about when a dad becomes mad. And when my, when my daughter was hurt, I became Papa Bear. And I was ready to, to hurt this individual. And I didn't care if I was a pastor or not. I, could, I, I said, I can go back to jail. It's not a problem. I'd never been to jail, but still, I just, you know. <laughs> Other than visiting jail. <laughs> but I can go back. Because <laughs> you hurt my kid, I'm going to hurt you. I don't care. Doesn't bother me. You hurt my child. I will cut you. Right? Because that's what a dad does, right? He protects. He loves. And then all the time I'm ready to, to cut this person, so to speak, I'm going to my daughter and I say, listen, don't worry about this. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a beautiful young lady. Don't worry about these things. This person's an idiot. And see, that's when I stop being pastor and I become dad. Because I can call people an idiot when I'm dad. Right? I can do that. That's fine. And so those are just things that a dad does. A dad fights off the enemy, but the dad then lifts up his child and says, you're okay, you can make it, you can do this. There's nothing wrong with you. Rise up, rise up, rise up. And today the father is telling his children, rise up in the name of Jesus. Rise up and accept the destiny that he has for you. Rise up. Stop being defeated. Man, what would happen if the children of God stopped being defeated and accepted a defeat and rose up and become the victors that they actually are? Amen? We are victors in the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul in Romans says we are more than conquerors. Amen? We're not just a conqueror. We're more than conquerors. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we've got to get out of the molly grub, so to speak, and realize the destiny that he's called us into. We are not to walk. Sure, things are going to come up. Hallelujah. Life happens, right? Anybody have one of those weeks where life just happens and happens and happens and happens and happens and happens and happens? I'm going to tell you something that's only temporary. It may not feel like it. But the moment that we can praise God through the trial, we can worship God through the circumstance, the moment that we can lift him up when everything's going wrong, the enemy becomes defeated. Amen. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because we dwell. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You know what dwell means? Dwell means to live. It means to abide. It means to put down roots. The secret place. You know what a secret place is? It's where the devil doesn't know where you're at. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. The devil can't get to you. Amen. It may seem like it sometimes, but I, I want to share with you this morning that God's desire is for him to protect you, but you got to dwell in the house of God. Amen. So what is dwelling in the house of God? Let me give you a hint. It means coming to church. 
Okay? I, mean, I just want to be real with you here. Do you know why I want you to come to church? It's not because we're, we're tracking our numbers for some, some uh, report, although we have to do some of that sometimes. We're not doing it for that reason. I want you here because I want you to grow. When you don't come to church, you're away from the fellowship. You're being attacked, and you have no one to lean on. Amen? As, as, as flawed as we are, we are still the house of God. Amen? As flawed as your pastor is, I've still been anointed to lead this church. Amen? As flawed as we are, praise God, we are the house of God, and we are a fellowship. Amen? We are healed to build each other up. If somebody knocks you down, you come tell me, and I'll go take care of it. Amen? We are a house of God. We are here to build one another up. We are here to tell each other that we love each other. We are here to tell one another, you are mighty in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are mighty in the name of Jesus, but you got to dwell in the house of the Lord. Amen? That means your heart needs to be here. That means while you're here, you don't need to be thinking about anything else. You don't need to be thinking about your problems somewhere else. You need to be thinking about God. Praise God. I know there's problems. I know. Listen, I'm not minimizing what you're going through today. I know some of the trials some of you are going through, and some of you haven't told me everything yet, but I know in my spirit what you're going through. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you're going through, not that I'm minimizing it, because I want you to know that my God is bigger than any problem that you have. Amen? He's bigger than every problem that you have. I used to love this show called VeggieTales. VeggieTales was my jam. I love their songs, Cheeseburger, right? I love the song, uh, Where Is My Hairbrush, right? Those songs spoke to my heart. <laughs> if you had kids in the 2000s, you would know what VeggieTales is. And I remember their first cartoon they put out, or maybe it was one of their first, is they sing a song is, because kids have some problems sometimes going to sleep because they're afraid, right? And little Junior was afraid to go to sleep, Junior Asparagus, and if you don't know VeggieTales, that already sounds weird to you. And so he was having a problem going to sleep, and his parents sung a song to him. He says, God is bigger than the boogeyman and the monsters on TV. And it was a simple way of telling children through song. And I still remember, in the moment I said that song, some of you started singing it in your heads, was that you had small kids, right? I remember watching the shows after my kids had fallen asleep because they spoke to me in a simplistic way. And maybe I need a simplistic, I don't know. But the point I'm trying to tell you this morning is God is bigger than the boogeyman, amen? He's bigger than the monsters on TV. God, my God, is bigger than anything that you've gone through, even if you... Cause your own problem. Did you know that? Even if you cause your own problem, God is still bigger than that. My God has gotten me out of more situations than I can count. Now, sometimes I had to go through some things to learn some things, amen? And I, they were all me. It wasn't God's fault. It was one time I was, I was self-righteous. I said, God, why are they doing this to me? And God said, you're doing that to you. Not what I wanted to hear. I wanted him to say, oh, my persecuted child, I love... No, he was honest with me. I was like, and I thought, maybe it wasn't God. And he's like, no, this is me. You did it. 
Anybody else had that happen to him? Right? But he goes, he goes, but guess what? I still love you. You know, even though you messed up, even though you did the wrong thing, I still love you. You're going to go through the, the repercussions of this, but I haven't left you or forsaken you. You need to call out to me and I'll help you fix it. But I'm going to tell you today that God is here to protect you. Amen. God is here to fulfill his word in you. I want to go over a couple of things with you. First of all, and we talked about this the first week, but I want to go over it again. He will deliver you. Psalms 91.3. First word is surely. Look at your neighbor and say surely. All right. So let's, let's say it with some conviction, okay? Surely. There you go. There you go. Make me believe it. If you have to spit on that person, you have to spit on that person, surely then do that, okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. All right? RJ's in front going, come on, pastor, stop that. <laughs> surely. When it, what does it mean when it says surely? That means definitely. Okay? Do we believe the word of God is real or not? So if the Bible says surely, what does that mean? That means he's going to do it. Okay? Can we just take the word of God as it is? And not try to read into it, pretend it doesn't mean what it says. It means what it says. All right? We don't need to explain the word of God away. If we explain one thing away, then none of it means anything. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. What is he going to deliver us from? Verse 91.10 says this. Now listen. I'm going to explain what this means because this is going to be confusing a little bit. He says, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Now that's confusing for a second because have you known anybody that's died from COVID and they were good Christians? I have. Have you, have you seen anybody die from cancer that was a good Christian? Have you seen anybody who is a believer go through times of trial? Go through times of hurt. Wait a minute, Pastor. You're saying that, that not, that stuff's not going to happen to us. No, that's not what it's saying. Let me explain what it's saying because I want you to hear what the Lord's going to do in your life today. First of all, that word dwelling, that dwelling, this psalm was probably written by Moses. And so that word dwelling means tent. Anybody ever been camping before? Yes, you've been camping before? Okay, thank you. Somebody raising their hands, all right? Okay, wake up. Come on, wake up. <laughs> Anybody been camping before? We're Pentecostal. I'm going to wake you up, all right? See, some of you weird people go camping with just a sleeping bag, and you sleep out in the stars. That's crazy, all right? I use a camper. I know that's not real camping, but that's what I do. That's why I don't go camping. Somebody invited me to go camping with them, and I said, hey, that's awesome. Where's the camper? They said, no, pastor, we have a tent. I said, well, next time. All right? But people back in the days of Moses' time, they, they lived in tents. And so I wanted you to understand, they lived in tents. And, and when they lived in tents, that was their dwelling place. But it says, no plague shall come near your dwelling. Well, what does that mean? We're trying to understand this. Does it seem to conflict a little bit? Let me explain what it means. What it's trying to say there is that no plague, no evil thing 
It may try to approach you, but it's not going to be able to live with you. Okay, you understand what I'm saying there? In other words, the enemy is going to attack. The enemy is going to try to take you out. The enemy is going to try to do things to bring you down. But when you dwell in the house of God, it cannot stay with you. It's only going to be for a season. Amen? It's only going to be for a short time. It's only going to be there for a little bit of time because we all go through a time of suffering. Jesus suffered while he was on earth, and his suffering led to his obedience. We're all going to go through things, but the devil cannot attach himself to you. The devil cannot control your life. The devil cannot run your life. The devil cannot do things to you that are not allowed by God to help us along the way. The devil cannot come against you. God is in control. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is in control this morning. But pastor, you don't understand I'm really going through it. Yeah, but God never left your sight. Amen. That's why it's more important than ever when you go through trials, when you go through frustration, when you go through things in your life, that is the time to get on your knees and say, Abba, Father, come to me, help me, reach me, do what's necessary, Lord. I need you in my life. I want to tell you this morning that God will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never, ever turn his back on you. God will never, ever turn away from you. God will never, ever do anything that causes you to lose sight of him. We're the ones who turn away from God. That's why you have to live. That's why you have to live and dwell in the house of God. Amen? That's why you have to live and dwell in the house of God. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to know I want you to know that God is going to move in your life today. But you've got to dwell in his house. Amen. He is willing to deliver you. He is willing to take care of you. He is willing to touch you. See, he says this in Psalms 35. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. And this is the part I want you to read right here with me. Weeping may endure for a night. Anybody in the heart, you've been crying, you've been weeping, you've been sorrow, you've been sad. Life happens, don't it? Man, I tell you what, I've had so much happen in the past month and a half. Some of you are not over stuff that happened years ago. Can, can we just all accept the fact that we need to get past those things? Yeah. Listen, I, I'm not minimizing your pain. Listen, I'm not doing that at all. But you're never going to be what God intends you to be when you're trying to hold on from stuff from the past. You've got to let that stuff go. Listen, if, if you need counseling, we have counseling here. We've had people, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but we've had people come to counseling and they've left victorious. Sometimes we need to talk these things out. Sometimes we need prayer. There's all kinds of things that God can, and, and quit thinking that you can just handle it on your own. It doesn't work that way. It never has worked that way. Amen. 
That's like telling a toddler to clean their room. They don't know how to clean their room. You have to teach them how to do it. Am I calling you a toddler? No, but some of us haven't been given the skills to know how to overcome those things in our life. We have to have those skills, amen? But it is time for us to let these things go and become what God taught us to intended us for us to be. We need to walk in victory because it says, weeping may endure for the night, but more sorrow comes in the morning. Is that what that says? More sorrow comes in the morning? What? 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 You mean that means I have to smile? Okay, Pastor, I'll smile. Listen. Nobody's mouth or teeth are so ugly you can't smile, okay? I don't care if you don't have any teeth, all right? You know, smiling does something to your heart and to your face, right? One of, my wife's not here today, so I can say this. She's probably watching on TV, which means I'm not going to have to worry about it until I get home. She does the funniest thing when she smiles, and if you ever see this, you can, you can look at it. When she smiles... Her cheeks go up, and she can't see. <laughs> and she's like smiling at me. She can't see me. <laughs> and especially when she laughs. She goes, it's just the funniest thing, and I love it. It's cute. And I try to make her laugh as much as I can because she just get like, like she can't see. And then I walk somewhere different. She opens her eyes, and I'm somewhere else, and it really freaks her out. <laughs> I know it's stupid for me to do that, but, man, it's so much fun. I love it when she smiles, but when she carries the weight of the world on her shoulders because of her job or things that's going on in her life, she gets this look on her face, this pensive look, this thoughtfulness look, and she's not the person that I know. And so I'll try to do something silly to make her laugh. And sometimes that gets me in a lot of trouble. Well, not sometimes, all the time. It gets me in a lot of trouble. But man, I love to see her laugh. And, and, and when my daughter gets upset, I love to see her laugh. And Man, isn't God the same way with us? He loves to see us smile. Do you, do you know what's going to defeat the devil in your life is when you're going through the storms of life and you look at him and you just smile? You ever had, you ever seen somebody getting yelled at, like a retail person, they're getting yelled at and they're smiling at the person and it makes them all, the, it just makes them angrier and they're smiling and they're angrier and they're smiling and you're like, what are you smiling for? I know God. Man, we need to, when the devil comes up and he's blowing in our face and he's blustering and he's threatening all these things, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill your children, you just smile and you say, no, you're not. You can't touch me. I'm going to go a little MC Hammer on you. Don't touch this. Amen? All right, some of you know what that is, all right? Do I need to do that? Some of you don't know who MC Hammer is. I won't do it. From the 90s. We need... When the devil comes to us and he's yelling and he's spitting in our face, I'm going to hurt you, I'm going to hurt you. I want you to understand this morning, he cannot get near you. And if, and if he does, and the devil, I mean, God lets him. If God lets him like he did Job, it's so that there's an area in your life that you need to work on and correct. God's, are you ready for this? God's perfecting you. Now me, I'm already perfect. Amen? 
<laughs> okay, maybe not. Maybe not. My wife's yelling to the TV, no, he's not. I can feel it. None of us are perfect. Amen. So does God need to work on some things with us? Does God need to work on some things for us? Does God need to fix some things in us? He uses, he uses things to get to us. But I want to tell you, the enemy cannot take control of your life. And if, now here's the thing, and I want you to understand this. Life here, one day is going to end. Right? But if you know Jesus, where are you going to go? I'm going to go where the streets are made of gold. Now think about this for a second. The streets are made of gold. In other words, they use the cheapest thing to make streets. Are you with me? The gold up there doesn't matter. It's cheap. It's a commodity. Then they use it. Well, we'll just use gold to pave the streets because everything else is so much more expensive. Think about that for a moment. The Bible says, no eye has seen nor ear has heard what God has prepared for us. Brothers and sisters, we have no... So even if God allows our body to be killed, we have so much more waiting for us when we get to heaven. Amen? We have glory waiting on us. This body, this earth is temporary. You may, you may say, you may say, am I still on? Testing. Okay, thank you, Nick at Night. That's my name for him, Nick at Night. Nickelodeon, St. Nick, whatever. I don't even remember what I was saying now. Gold roads. You got to remember that when we go to heaven, God has something for you. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't want to leave my family here. And I got to tell you that you really don't know what heaven is about. Because if we had a glimpse of heaven, the last thing you would want to be is here. Amen. The last thing. We, don't, we want to be there. Amen. We want to be in heaven. We want to be with God. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. As a matter of fact, God interrupts the person who's speaking here, the psalmist, and he starts speaking directly to the reader in verse 14. Because you know what? Sometimes we just need to hear from God, don't we? Verse 14, this is God speaking. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Can we say that again? Because... He has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Listen to the promise here, verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Do you see the promises that are there? He says he will call. If he calls upon him, first of all, I'm going to answer him. I'm going to be with him. I will deliver him and I will honor him. And then it says, with long life, I will satisfy him, and I will show him my salvation. I count six promises there. Amen. See, if you were to call me, I'll answer your phone call, and I'll 
You know, I'll try to be with you, but I can't do all those other things. I can't save you. But God. But God. But God. But God. He says, not only will I answer him, but I'll be with him. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today that God's with you. You know what being with you means? The biggest problem that we face when we're going through trial and tribulation is we feel what? Alone. Because the devil tries to tell us that, don't we? He whispers in your ear, nobody cares. Nobody's calling you. Nobody, nobody cares about you. He isolates you. But you're not alone. Every trial that I've gone through, I've always had Jesus there with me, no matter what. That first delivery says, therefore I will deliver him in verse 14. That verse deliver means to carry you away to safety in the original Hebrew. But that second deliver, that second deliver that it's in verse 15, says I will deliver him and I honor him. That second deliver means something. It's a different word there. They use the same word in English, but it actually means something different. I want to explain to you what that means. It means to equip for a fight. Did you know that? It means to equip for a fight or strengthen. You know what we need today in the house of God? We need to be strengthened. Is anybody tired today? Come on now. Is anybody tired today? You're going through life, you're getting beat up, and you got all these things happening in your life, and you're struggling. Is anybody in the house today tired? Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? I'm tired. Amen? I'm tired. We're all tired. We've been through this pandemic. One minute they're saying use a mask. The next minute they're not saying you use a mask. One minute you can't touch anybody. The next minute you can hug somebody. I'm so confused. I'm going to wear a mask to touch somebody. Amen? But you know, I'm just joking when I say that. But it's just confusing, right? And we argue. Well, they're trying to control us. Well, no, we need to be obedient. Really, none of that matters because we've got to put our faith in God. Amen? And I want to tell you, we're tired this morning. See, I believe that the Lord is trying to call us to teach us that we got to rely on him for strength. Because I've said this before, and I prophesy to you now, hard times are coming. I'm going to say this one more time, because there's going to come a time where I said, I told you so, and this is going to be one of those times. I'm telling you, hard times, difficult times are coming. And some of you will falter and not come to church anymore because it's too hard. You need to be strengthened today. I saw a video of a church in Ukraine on the brink of war. On the brink of war. On the brink of war. You know what they're doing? They're downstairs in a basement church worshiping God. And you know what they're doing? They're dancing around like this, and they're praising God, right? And they're raising their hands, and they're worshiping God. They're saying, they're saying, the Lord keep thee and bless thee and cause his light to shine upon thee. They're looking to God in the midst of turmoil, knowing they may not survive the night, but they're dancing before the Lord and say, you may take my life, and tomorrow I'll wake up in glory. Brothers and sisters, we need a dose of that today, amen? We need to stop being desperate for our lives. It's desperate for Jesus. 
We need some desperation in the house of God today. We've got the wrong kind of desperation. We've been desperate over our circumstances. We need a desperation for Jesus. We need God in our lives. Amen. He is here to equip you today. He is here to strengthen you today. I don't have time to cover the next one about covering you. So let me say this. Psalms 3.3, he says this, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the one and the lifter of my head. He is the lifter up of my head. Hallelujah. Praise God. But you must dwell and abide. I know it seems like hope is gone. I know it seems like you're lost. I know it seems like you can barely make it. And praise God you're here today. Listen, I know for some of you to come to church today, it took everything you had. Amen. I know that. I know that. But it's time to give it to God. It's time to give it to God. Romans 8, 18. This is going to be our last verse. We can put on some music. He says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Whoa. Whoa. Praise God. Oh, man. Woo. Can I read that again? Can I read that again? You going through something today? You hurting? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what that means? That means one day you're going to be standing before the Father. And Jesus is going to come up beside you and say, Hey, Dad. This is the one I was telling you about. This is the one I was telling you about, Dad. Remember when, remember when they went through that loss? Remember when they were hurting? They, they came to church anyway. Remember when they had no hope and they didn't know what to do? They, they prayed. Dad, this is the one I was talking about. Dad, this is the one that I'm proud of. Dad, you, this, if anybody deserves to go into heaven, it's this one, Dad, because... I purchased them with my blood. And in the dark moments, they never were ashamed of me. Dad, this is the one. And the father looks at you, big old smile on his face. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy the riches of heaven. I don't know about you, but my mansion in heaven is going to have an ice cream machine. Not that fat-free stuff. No, it's going to be full of fat. Because I'm going to have a new body, and I can do that. 
It's going to have a pool with a giant slide down it. Yes, I'm childish. I know that. It's going to have a ping pong table. See, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to going to heaven. And I, and I want more than anything for my dad, my father, to be proud of me. But see, it doesn't take much. I don't have to earn that. It's freely given. Isn't that awesome? He's going to look at me one day, as long as I'm faithful, and he's going to say, good job, son. Some of you have never been told, good job. You've been beat up your whole life. You've been told you're nothing. You've been told that you're not even worth your space. Can I share something with you? And I know I'm getting a little long today, so bear with me. When the Holy Ghost was poured out about 120 years ago, in this last time, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, because at that point, there was nobody speaking in tongues. It was poured out here in North America. It was the beginning of the worldwide Pentecostal movement. It was two places that happened. It happened in, in North Carolina, and it happened in California. You know who the Holy Spirit was poured out on? Not the rich people. Not the educationally elite. Not the stuffy people. You know who the Holy Ghost was poured out on? The poor. The uneducated. The rejected. The marginal. The, uh, the preacher at Azusa Street, listen to this. He was an African-American man with one eye. One eye. He had a disability. And in those days, African-Americans weren't even listened to, but through this man... Through this man in Azusa Street, a great revival was born. He was uneducated. He was a different skin color. Now in South America, there are more Pentecostals than there are Catholics because people are turning away from that dead religion and coming to Pentecostalism where they can communicate to God directly. Brothers and sisters, it is truly the last days, and God is here for you. Amen. And if you feel like that you've been rejected, if you feel like nobody loves you, I'm going to tell you something. Welcome to the club. We have a club here. None of us have our lives together. Amen? None of us do. I know I look pretty, but I'm still working on my life. When I say I look pretty, you're supposed to go, yes, Pastor, we think you're pretty. But God is here for you today. If you've been hurt, if you've been rejected, if you've been marginalized, God is here. Will you stand with me, please? Praise God. If you need prayer this morning for healing, if you need prayer because of things that are going on in your life, I want you to make your way out of your seat right now and come join me. I know there are those who have to leave by a certain time. I want you to know that if you have to go, that it's okay. I'm not going to rush the Spirit of God. It's okay for you to have to go. Is there anybody else? 
Praise God. See how God works? Anybody else? Praise God. Listen, you guys look at me for a second. Every one of you up here. Whether you're up here for healing or you just need God to move in your life, that's between you and God right now, okay? I'm going to have some of our elders come by and pray with you. But we're just there to pray with you. I'm going to anoint you with oil. But I want you to know, I want you to know that God's going to move in your life if you give it to him and let it go. How do you let it go? You say, here, God. And when you think about it five minutes later, you say, here, God. And when you think about it five minutes later, you say, no, God, I didn't mean to pick that back up again. Here you go. Okay? Can we do that? Okay, I'm going to pray with you right now that I'm going to come lay hands on you. All right? You ready? I'm going to pray for you right now. I want you to raise your hands and begin to worship. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.